Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Matthew 20, verses 1 through 7. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Coming down out of heaven from God Prepared as a bride of dawn For a husband His appearance was like lightning And his clothing white as snow And for fear of him the gods trembled And became like dead men And I heard a loud voice from the Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. But the angel said to the God women, but the angel said to the women, but the angel said to the women, but the angel said to the women. guys to go ahead and take your seat. Welcome, Redemption Church. Uh, as Vince said today, this is a day that we, we celebrate the resurrection. And as we just heard the scripture uh, sing so beautiful, 
that this is a beautiful day for us, those of us who are in Christ, that we get to hear and to celebrate what the women at the tomb were able to celebrate 2,000 years ago, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If this is your first time here, I want to personally welcome you. My name is Ricardo Stewart. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm a um, Redemption Church. We are one church. We meet at multiple congregations. We meet in Arcadia, Gilbert, um, also in Gateway, and here in Tempe. Our normal service times are 10, 5, and 7. I'm glad you guys are here. Easter is a day where many people show up for church. And so today, um, no matter why you're here, you could be here because you're used to coming to church every Sunday, or you could be here because it's time to show up to church. It's Easter. Or you could be here because someone promised you ham afterwards. And... Um, <laughs> Mimosas, whatever it is. Um, I get it, right? Uh, it's Easter. So I'm glad that you're here. And my, my thought is, you, you may not think this, but my thought is the reason why you're here is because, because God wants you to hear about his son Jesus. That, that God wants you to hear who Christ is. Whether you've been a Christian for years or you're, you don't even understand what Christianity is about, um, our hope today is that we tell you the story of Christianity through the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, this morning we start a series called Who is Jesus? And for the next five weeks starting today, we're going to answer those questions of who is Jesus. And this morning we'll start with saying, who is Jesus who's raised from the dead? And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you guys turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and keep it held high. One of the ushers will be able to get you uh, a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, please keep this. Um, this is our gift to you. And if you own one but you forgot it, go ahead and raise your hand and the guys will get you a Bible as well. Um, Matthew chapter 28. If you have the Bibles that we're handing out, that's on page 542. Page 542. And so as you guys are turning there, when I, when I think about Easter, uh, I grew up going to church. And Easter for me meant something different than what it does now. Um, Easter for me in the church that I grew up meant that all my friends were going to be there because everybody was going to show up to church. And in the church I grew up in, you got dressed up for Easter. Um, good things, nothing's changed, right? Uh, that's a joke for those of you guys who don't know. I don't normally wear ties. In fact, I bought this last night at this really, really nice establishment called Ross. Um, you dress for less, all right? So, so Easter for me was uh, the little girls got new dresses and the little boys, we got new suits. And in the time that I was growing up, I wanted to be like Miami Vice. And so the suits that I wanted consisted of like electric blue or bright orange. And uh, unfortunately, uh, my mom never got those suits for me, but that was Easter. And afterwards, we'd have an Easter egg hunt. And then in college, when I became a Christian and I would come to Easter services like this and everyone would clap and be excited, I always wanted to, to have a picture of what what did it look like to respond to the resurrection? Because me, like many of you that are Christians here, we're, we're more Good Friday Christians. And what I mean by Good Friday Christians is we see Jesus on the cross and that he died for our sins and, and that all who would believe can come to him in repentance and faith and that we're wicked and flawed, all true. And yet on Easter, it's a day for celebration. And I always wanted a picture for that because the way that I learn is through a visual. Now, I can read the scripture and meditate, but I need something to see. And, and about six or seven years ago, I got this. And I was watching Chronicles of Narnia of C.S. Lewis with my six-year-old nephew. And my six-year-old nephew doesn't know anything about Chronicles of Narnia. And if you have never seen Chronicles of Narnia, I apologize now. Totally about to give it away. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. It's like Easter. If I came and said, hey, guess what? Jesus has risen. Oh, really? Wow, you didn't know that that's what we we're going to talk about today? So anyways, back to Narnia. My, my nephew's there, and the story is about a lion who is going to set Narnia free. He's going to set Narnia the way that it should be. And yet, this lion, Aslan, dies. When Aslan dies, I'm watching it, and I know what's going to happen. But I look over, and my little nephew is weeping. 
tears, crying. I'm like, what's wrong, buddy? He goes, he's dead. He's dead. And I kind of relate to him because I remember being around that age, crying at my first movie. Um, it wasn't Narnia. It was um, Still Magnolia. <laughs> Come on, fellas. <laughs> Julia Roberts. I mean, it was like not even a little. Whatever, I was six, all right? So my, my, my nephew's having his moment. I'm looking at him having his moment, thinking about my moment, and just wondering, okay, but I know what's going to happen. And here's what the best part of it. When Aslan comes back to life, and he roars, my nephew is standing up on the seat at Harkins Theater. He's alive, uncle, he's alive. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sorry, sorry. He's excited. He's a little, calm down, right? And yet, that, that is, uh, that's the picture of every single Christian who believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in the same way that, that Narnia was dependent upon Aslan, the way that Narnia would be a good story, it could have been a story, but not a good story, if, if, if Aslan would have stayed dead. And in a, in, a, in a bigger sense, the way that we can make sense out of our own personal stories and the way that we can make sense out of the story of the world is the story that the Bible presents, which is the true story of the world. That we, in the situation that we were in, this world and the circumstances that it has been in and is now, will never be made right unless Jesus does exactly what he said he would do. The reason why we celebrate the resurrection is that we see the true story of the world embodied in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he did go to the cross on Good Friday. He did die for our sins and for all who would place their faith in him. And on, on this Sabbath day, this Sunday, over 2,000 years ago, the reason why so many pack in churches, the reason why it's to capture the affections and hearts of minds of so many people, the wisest and the most simple for 2,000 years is because of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That Jesus has risen, and he's gone to the right hand of the Father. And so what I want to do today in looking at the resurrection is, is not so much give historical facts. Uh, the, the truth is that there was a man that lived in Jerusalem, in the Palestinian area, that did what people thought were miracles, who claimed to be the Son of God, who did go to the cross, and he did go to the tomb, and was raised, and over 500 people saw him. That, that's facts. But what I'm concerned about is how to respond, and why is it that we can respond from the resurrection? You see, if, if, when we're reading the scriptures up there in Matthew 28 here, we see something. The women come to the tomb. And when these two women, Mary and the other Mary, come to the tomb, they're hoping or thinking to see a dead Jesus. And so it's not that they're coming with, with a great deal of faith. They're coming to see Jesus who they, they thought had died and who did die. But what they found was an angel. And in verse 5, the angel says this, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen. And he said, come and see where he lay. That Jesus did what he said he would do. He died on the cross. Jesus was raised. And then what I want to look at today is the response. There's two responses we see here. In verse 8, the women, it says, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Fear out of reverence because Jesus is God. And great joy because of the joy that the resurrection brings. This is more than just an emotional ascent, but this is true joy. And, and being blessed and truly being happy in the sense that Jesus came to die for the world and he was raised. And the second response we see in verse 9, when they saw Jesus, they said, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up to him and to hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Four things we see that from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, that at least four things that would cause us to respond and worship, that would cause us to respond and praise. 
One is the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us an ultimate certainty of trust in Jesus. The second is it gives us a promise of eternal life. And the third is that we have hope even in the brokenness of our world. And lastly, the forgiveness of sins. Would you pray with me before we go through those four points? Father, we thank you. And I just pray in our time, our short time, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would remind those of us here who are in Christ of this amazing truth. That the power of the Holy Spirit would awaken those who have never heard. And Lord, that we would celebrate in this day. In Christ's name, amen. First thing we have from the resurrection is trust. And the reason why I start with trust is we need to trust God. We need to have faith in God. And it's hard because people in, in places in, in our world, it's hard to trust people. Um, I know it's hard for me to trust people. I don't believe anything someone's, hey, it's cold outside. Are you sure? Right? What's the temperature? I just, I, I always want to question. I don't believe advertisement. Um, the other day I was switching my phone services to, to a particular phone service, which I won't name, Sprint. And, and on, the, on the commercial it says, truly unlimited. So I go to the guy and I go, hey man, I heard you guys advertise truly unlimited. What does truly unlimited mean? He goes, it's unlimited, but no, no. You said unlimited, right? Now, fortunately, they, they, they helped me out. And so if you work for Sprint here, God bless you. Thanks for the phone. All right. And, and then the way that advertisements go, even to kids, they sell all these, they, we sell lies to our kids. I was lied to as a kid. Um, the person um, that I so desperately wanted to be like physically was He-Man growing up. Um, <laughs> Some of you are old enough that you have kids my age, and so you've bought He-Man action figures. Some of you guys are my age, and you know He-Man. Some of you guys are younger, and you may not know He-Man. Repent. <laughs> He-Man was the buffest man ever to exist. He had veins everywhere, even in his fingers, right? And I wanted to be He-Man, and there was this commercial when I was a young boy where this young boy who was about my age got this brand new pair of underwear from He-Man. And, uh, not from He-Man, but they were He-Man underwear. And um, yeah, He-Man wasn't there. Would have been a better commercial, though. <laughs> but here's what happened. When he put the underwear on and he snapped the elastic, he turned into He-Man. And I thought, that, that's what I want. So I begged my mom. I said, Mom, you got to get this. Come on, please come through. She, she bought it for me. And I was so gullible that I'm, I'm in my room thinking, closing the doors, going, okay, this is it. The old will pass away. The <laughs> Ricardo's going to be gone. I put those underwear on, I snapped my elastic. Same Ricardo. Um, they lied to me. They cheated me. Um, I haven't been the same since, right? <laughs> and in, in, in all honesty, we, it's hard to trust people. It's, it's even hard to trust the people who we love the most, even in the small things. I know as a spouse that there's things that I tell my wife in the small things that I don't come through. Hey, I'm going to be home in 10 minutes, and I'm home in an hour. It's small things. That if we can't trust people with the small things, how can we trust them with the big things? And yet what we see through the resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus does the greatest miracle ever, and that he's, he does what no one else has ever done and no one else will ever do, and that he's raised from the dead. And you say, what about Lazarus? Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. Jesus is raised and will never die again, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. The reason why we can trust him is that this is what Jesus predicted the whole time while he was here. If you hold your place in Matthew 28 and just turn to the left a few pages to Matthew chapter 16. And we'll follow the words that Jesus has. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. Jesus says, From the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed on the third day and to be raised. 
If you look over the next page, chapter 17, verse 22. And as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. Turn the page, a couple pages, chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and he took the twelve disciples aside on the way, and he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he would be raised on the third day. If Jesus is able to come through on the greatest thing, now we can trust him in every single word that he says. So when Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that all who come to him will come to know the Father, we can trust him. When Jesus says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light, we can trust him. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you in the midst of your deepest troubles, we can trust him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ lets us know that we can hang on to every single word of the Bible. And this is not something we have to have incredible faith for, just enough faith to trust him. It's not so much the amount of our faith as it is the object of our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? The second thing that we see from the resurrection, why we can respond with such joy and worship is that, that through the resurrection, Jesus gives us eternal life, that we will live forever, that, that, that when we die, we will pass into the Lord. And we sing that song, absent from flesh, and that word absent from flesh is from this flesh that we have now. This body is decaying. Some of you guys experience more than others, that you get up in the morning, you know, yes, this body is decaying. In fact, as soon as you're born, it's decaying. That's why I think babies cry. There's a sense of God in them. They go, this place sucks. Right? They're, just, they're, just, they're, they're, they're calling out to Jesus, come soon. All right? They don't know it yet. The doctors don't know it, but we do now. There's a sense that, that God gives us the truth of eternal life. And if you turn to, to John chapter 3, verse 16, and if you have the Bibles that we gave you, it's on page 577. This is one of the most famous, this is the famous passage in all of Scripture. Um, you could have never been the church, and you would have heard this Scripture. All you have to do is go to a football game, a baseball game, look at a clown. I mean, John 3:16 is everywhere. And yet, the reason why it's everywhere it's because it's powerful. It, it, it's an absurd promise from God. So hear it as if you're hearing it from the first time, and this is what Jesus says in verse 16, chapter 3 of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That, that, that's profound. That God so loved us that before the foundation of this world, God, knowing that we would sin against him, knowing that evil and destruction and chaos would come into this world, that it was decision, not in response to our sin, but it was his plan from day one before he created that he would send his son Jesus, that we would believe in him, and all who would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we, we, are, we get become absent from this body and present with the Lord. And not only present with the Lord in just a spiritual sense, but we will be given glorified bodies, as Paul says, Bodies that are incapable of sinning, bodies that are able to worship God and to see him and to know him and enjoy his goodness. And I, I love imagining about what my glorified body would look like. I don't imagine what yours would be like. That would be weird. But I think about what mine would look like. And I'm thinking 6'2", a good solid 6'2", um, eight-pack, and a nice jump shot. And you know what I will be able to do, finally? I will be able to sing. I've always wanted to sing. And um, I've suffered so much. And the people around me have suffered so much 
because of my lack of ability. And here's why. I, I know you laugh, but um, my guess is most of you, not all of you, um, just my guess, didn't grow up in a black family. Um, <laughs> Twelve of you. Um, <laughs> you saw that, didn't you? Uh, the, the, the thing is, growing up in my family, growing up in an African-American family and not being able to sing is all bad. Growing up in a black church, not being able to sing is worse than that. And so my, my church had a choir, and it was the junior choir, and the junior choir got to sing once a month, and somehow I got into this choir. And our choir director was phenomenal. In fact, he was the choir director of the UCLA Gospel Choir, and um, he would work in our inner city church and, um, and teach us, and it was, it, was, it was great. And the church used to rock. We used to sing songs like, he's an on time. Y'all didn't do that. And so we had, we had this choir, and one day, um, I don't know how I got in, but this is how I got out. Uh, he goes, something's off. We're practicing. He goes, okay, Sopranos, why don't you guys stand up? Sopranos, no. Okay, altos, don't you? No. Tenors, why don't you guys stand up? Ooh. Yeah, you. And I said, yeah, you, get down. What are you doing? You can't sing. You're not even black. And at the time, <laughs> the time it devastated me. So, so in the new heavens, in the new earth, by faith in Jesus, I hope. Now, that's not promised that I will be able to sing, but I pray that, that man, like Aaron, she can sing. And, um, and she's black. So there's a sense where <laughs> I hope for that. The, the, the promise of, of, the, of the resurrection lets us know that we will live forever. And they will live with God forever. I'm not exactly sure how all that will play out. But I knew that there's a promise that we don't have to be afraid of death. The third thing we see about the promise of the resurrection is that God brings hope. And this is real hope. The reason why these women are able to respond with joy, and the reason why for 2,000 years people have responded with joy, the reason why the apostles were able to go and have their lives beaten, have their lives being martyred, and to give their lives over the truth of the resurrection is because there was a sense of hope in our present reality. And not hope the way that, that you and I use the word hope and the way that our culture uses hope. The, the way that we use the word hope is almost like wishful thinking. It's the same as I say, I wish or I hope ASU would win the Rose Bowl this year. It's probably not going to happen, right? Just beat U of A and we'll be all good. If not, no more happy days. That, that's the way we talk about hope. And yet, the way the Bible speaks about hope and the way the Bible speaks in both the Old Testament and the New Testament about hope is having an absolute certainty because what God has promised and because what God has done that we can have a certainty about what he will do. And because God has promised that he would come and enter into this world in the work and through the work of Jesus Christ and heal it and restore it, that we can have hope today in whatever struggles we're going through and whatever sufferings we're going through. And this is not a hope that has some optimistic escapist mentality that, that somehow we're going to just leave this world and go away. But the hope that we have in the Bible is that God is going to come to this world and God is going to renew this world and that we will dwell with God because he will be our God and he will be our pe we will be his people. That's the promise of the gospel. Because in this world, we suffer and we hurt. We cause pain upon other people and other people cause pain upon us. There's not a person in this room that has not suffered. There are probably many in this room who are suffering now with the loss of someone, the thought of losing someone, and, and that's the reality of our world, that we don't have control over this world. It, as simple as it, the hardest thing for me to do is to watch my kids throw up because I can't do anything about it all the way to watching your kids pass away. There's a sense that in those moments, whatever your darkest moments are, that as you weep, um, 
that God metaphorically cups your tears because one day he will take those tears and he will wipe them away. The, the promise that we have, and no need to turn there to come on the screen in Revelation chapter 21 is this, that the word says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor any more. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. In some sense, God will, for the person who has faith in Jesus, take everything that was sad in this world and make it come untrue. That's the promise of the resurrection, that Jesus sits at the Father. And that promise is not something that's just in the distance. It's the reality of the Holy Spirit, of the new life that we have now that we can experience in Christ Jesus. Understanding the reign of Christ that will come with peace and mercy and order and justice and abundance and equity and yet by no means denying the harsh realities of injustice and of pain and of death and inequality. That the hope of the resurrection gives us hope in this life and the hope of the next. Amen? The resurrection gives us trust, the promise of, of um, eternal life, and a hope in God, and lastly, the forgiveness of sins. I close with the forgiveness of sins as, as the promise of the resurrection because the Apostle Paul says that if Jesus was not resurrected if he did not die and he was not raised, if he only died on the cross but he did not raise from the grave, then we of all people, those in this room who are Christians, should be pitied the most. And the reason why we should be pitied, not because we come to church, not because we raise good families, not because we, we, we don't sin, because that's not true. The reason why we should be pitied the most is because we trusted him. But Paul, if it, Paul says it is true that Jesus has raised from the grave Therefore, our sins are forgiven. And here's what sin does. Sin, sin makes you naturally hide. Sin makes you act like who you're, you're not supposed to be. Sometimes I hear people say, the thing I, I don't like about Christians are Christians are hypocrites. And I say, what do you mean by that? Well, they're Christians, and yet they do the things that the Bible says not to do. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Christian. A Christian is one who's not sinless. A Christian is one who believes that Christ was sinless on their behalf. A Christian is not the one who says, I, I will never sin. The Christian is saying, because I'm a sinner, because I know my proclivities, I need a savior. In fact, I would say my personal story, I was a bigger hypocrite before I became a Christian. And the reason why, and as a Christian, I become a hypocrite because I don't see my sins forgiven. Here's what I mean. My life was categorized as people saying, you're a good person. Oh, your Ricardo's a good guy. Yeah, your Ricardo's a good guy. And so on the surface, I just tried to be a good guy. I tried to be a nice guy. And yet I had my own issues. I had major issues. And so my whole life, I, I had to figure out, okay, what did I say to these people? How do I act around these people? How do I act around these people? How do I act around these people? How do I say to this person? Because out of fear, if these people ever, ever knew who I really was, they would never accept me. There, there was one man in whom I respected dearly, and, and he would always say to me, you know what? You're the type of guy I want to marry my daughter. And it used to eat me in the same way that your sin eats you, because you know who you are. We may not know. I think every single person, Christian and non-Christian, we're hiding from somebody. We're holding something back. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection says, even though everyone else, they may, they may reject you because of who you really are, if they really knew you and they really knew your thoughts. Yet what we see in Jesus, Jesus knows all of our thoughts. 
He knows all of our ways. He knows all of our actions. He knows all of our shortcomings. He knows all of our sin, and he doesn't reject us. In fact, that's the very reason why he came, to accept us, to love. If you, to love us. If you ask anybody, man or female, Christian, non-Christian, what is your deepest desires? And we're not talking food or water. What is it that you need? At some level, they would say to be loved and to be accepted. Only in the cross are you truly loved. Your family can love you, but at some point they will fail you. People around you can love you, but at some point they will fail you because they're sinners too. Jesus Christ is the only one who will never fail you. And when you fail him, he's died on the cross for your sins. And he accepts you completely, not because of what you've done, but what he's done on your behalf. When the, when, when the gospel says that we have forgiveness, that we don't have to have the weight of God ultimately on our shoulders, that we can come to God with forgiveness and be clean. In fact, the best thing that any person could ever do is to say, this, I'm all out. I can't continue to live this life. And this is not something that I just did when I became a Christian. This is something I have to do daily. This is something that you have to do daily. If we were just honest with ourselves, we know every single day we're putting on a front from somebody because we're fell in the sea, who we are completely embraced and loved in Christ Jesus. But the gospel says no more. The gospel says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we've been forgiven of the penalty of our sins. We've been saved from the penalty. There's absolutely no wrath. The gospel lets us know that now we are being saved from the, from the power of sin in this present moment. And the gospel lets us know that one day, one day, we will be completely saved from the presence of sin and we will be with our Father and Lord. Amen? These are promises that make us respond. A trust in Jesus Christ and trusting in his word. Eternal life to live with him forever. True hope, a certainty of what God is doing and what God will do, and absolute forgiveness of sins. I want to close with this. These promises are not for everybody. Meaning these promises are not for all. They're only for all who would believe in Jesus. So when I said that as a, as a college kid, I didn't know Jesus, these promises were not mine. Did these promises come by placing your faith in Jesus? And I don't know where all of you are. I know many of you because you come to this church. I don't know where you are in your walk or your journey with the Lord. And I would love to. I would, I would desperately love to offer you salvation. I can't. I really can't. Only God can. And God has. What we know through the scriptures, what we said in John 3.16, is God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, the whoever is not a select people. It's not a particular people. It's people who would believe no matter what your background is, no matter what your pedigree is, that you would believe. And let me close with this. This is what Paul says to all of us. Verse, Romans chapter 10, verses 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I implore you, not because of me or anyone at this church, but because of the love of God, every single person in this room, that's the prayer that you should make at your home. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can believe that, Lord, because you've opened up our hearts that we can believe the gospel, Lord, and we can know you, Lord, though we don't see you. But what is hope that is, not, that is seen? 
but we hope for what we do not see. Jesus, we do not see you, and yet we know that we are forgiven. Lord, we don't, also, we don't always feel you, and yet we know that you love us and that you were with us, that your spirit is upon us. Father, we thank you that we can confess to you that you have died for our sins, Lord, even though we are still sinners. And that one day, Lord, you will not just take us away from here, but you will restore this world. You will restore the brokenness that is inside of us and the brokenness that is around us, Lord. You are so good. You are a rock and our redeemer. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the power of the gospel in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.